calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome uh, to a brand new episode. What is happening? What? What is that? Where's the even the logo? What just happened? Maybe, uh, maybe we go back to one. Maybe we go back to one. No, I'm, we're doing this. It's done. Let's go. Uh, we don't we'll have an order. Even, what's the order? I'll what's tell you the order. order. We're doing the show. We're starting. We didn't the show. even do the logo. What's literally what's happening right now? Wait. What, what time logo? out? What logo? What are you did, talking? Did we about? even have the intro to the show happen? Yeah, we just played it. What are you talking? about? I didn't about? see it. it. Didn't come up on my thing. It was literally oh, you switching you know screens. And let's then do it again. you didn't let's, tell me what the order was. Let's do it again for Princess, who didn't catch it. That's all right. Let's go. I, what? Tell it's a Friday show. It's a Friday show. Welcome, everybody, to this brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. We're back at it again this week. We've got so much to get into. We've got a bunch of new trailers going on, which will be third on the list. Then we're going to get into We're going to start off with some Dune 2 stuff. And in the middle, we're going to talk some X-Men 97 Marvel stuff. And then we're going to take a break and talk about our big main topic. And our main topic this week is going to be our Madam Web review. And it's a spoiler review. So it's just a warning ahead of time. We are going to spoil some things in the movie for the 10 of you. I mean, sorry, for the 10 million of you who are not going to watch it. And for the 10 of you who did. So you you don't have to go to the movie. We'll, we'll help you with it as we go along. But we're going to talk about all that stuff here on this episode of the Geek Buddies. And I hope everybody has the order now. But let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer. And just happy to be here. <laughs> Anyway, better help. Now, uh, listen, just a quick thing to everybody who's listening or watching us. 
Please remember to sponsor and patronize uh, the um, cl- the uh, uh, ads that we have, the clients, the incredible people who support the show here on the Geek Buddies. If you listen to an ad when you download the podcast, please go and support them and use the products there because that helps them keep coming back to support us every week here on uh, on the Geek Buddies, which we appreciate madly. Um, for those of you who are new, thank you very much. Welcome aboard. For those of you who've been here for a while, good to see you. You know the way the show works. Each of us brings up a geek news item. We talk about it amongst ourselves, and then we uh, break, take a break between each of those geek news items and get into our main topic. So, as I said, I will kick things off here with uh, Dune 2. Uh, Dune Part 2 had some first reactions that came up. Let's take a look at them now. Some people, uh, Sean O'Connell over there, I called it masterful filmmaking on an epic scale. Jeff Zhang uh, said Dune Part 2. Denis Villeneuve lands every spectacular, brutalist tableau he threw in the air three years ago. Sci-fi myth-making at its finest. Uh, Rosa Pata from Rosa Reviews, my friend there. Dune 2 is an epic, masterful, cinematic experience. It's visceral, palpable. It must be seen on the biggest screen possible. And she got quoted by the Dune 2 people for the new ad campaign. Gregory Elwood at the playlist said, Dune Part 2 is damn impressive. Villeneuve creates some truly visionary moments. Austin Butler is a, gives a truly transformative performance and wendy lee my friend wendy says doom part two is one of the most anticipated movies of 2024 sure it exceeded my expectations a masterpiece sound design and cinematography is incredible and scott manzel over there at hga said doom part two is truly an awe-inspiring cinematic achievement one that continues to advance and build upon the world that denis villeneuve and company have exquisitely created crafted and shaped if you love part one you are going to go absolutely wild for part two so gentlemen Doom Part Two for this has been the this is across the board. This is just a sample of what we've been seeing from first reactions. I see it Monday, so this is getting even more hype. But what do you guys think as you hear these reactions? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean the the, the last blurb that you said, like you know, if you like if you like Part One, you're gonna love Part Two. Mm. So Part One, not necessarily my jam, just because I I didn't I, you know I don't know the books. I yeah. mean I've, I I know I know aspects of them, but I've never but I've never read them from right. beginning to end. And despite the fact that I thought the film was really um, technically and and visually like really really impressive, I do think there is a bit of a like a nolan icy distance to it if you don't know what's going on so the first one while i could appreciate the things i could appreciate the technical aspects Mm. and i thought across the board i'm like yeah all these performances seem like they're pretty good um like i'm not that invested emotionally in the story and i think you all had both sort of um not justified those opinions but but it sort of clarified like yeah if you if you don't know this world this movie is going to be it, it's going to be a challenging watch. Now, I know there are a lot of folks out there that didn't know the books and went in and enjoyed it. I just wasn't one of them. That being said, um, from what everyone had spoken about previously, a lot of the visual splendor and a lot of the more exciting aspects of the story were going to come in in, in part two. Yeah. So, I mean, I might have to trudge through another viewing of part one um, just so I can be as as up to date on everything Arrakis as I can. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't deny what the first one accomplished in terms of it is a, it, it is pop, it's it's pop filmmaking that got a, an Academy Award nomination. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say this isn't my top 10 to look forward to, but I always love a good experience in a theater, so. Nice. Uh, Michael, your thoughts as you read these uh, reactions from various areas of the um, uh, movie critic sphere? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the bigger 
I kind of to Shannon's point, I mean, yes, absolutely. If you loved part one, people are saying you're going to love part two. But I've also seen a lot of people coming out of the screening saying this movie is amazing and makes part one better. Because oh, I okay. definitely liked uh, I, I liked part one. I don't disagree yeah. with Shannon that if you aren't like deeply obsessed with Dune and those books, yeah. um, the book, the movie could feel a little dry um like yeah. you're in the desert um you know it's it, it doesn't give you like a ton of like meaty emotional stuff for sure i mean definitely you've got the father-son relationship it's all there right but, but it is a it almost is so big that you're like i don't even know where to grab on so i get that for some people it was a lot but what i've heard from multiple sources now is that not only do you go see part two and go holy shit but all the stuff that was built up in part one uh just lands amazing so that this was always meant to be these two movies together and that so shannon says he's going to trudge through part one i'm excited to go back and revisit because i think denny villeneuve is a great director and i think it is a gorgeous movie so even though i don't disagree with him on the emotion being a little bit uh less than what i would ideally want I think that that emotion is going to come back in spades in part two. So I'm I'm very excited. This is absolutely one of the things I'm most excited about this year. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I mean, I was already excited, but yeah. seeing the response from everybody across the board coming out, you know, sometimes we talk about this a lot. Yeah, yeah. Once the once the embargoes are lifted, particularly when it comes into the superhero genre, you yeah. get this was the greatest thing. The action is amazing. This is all I ever wanted. Oh my gosh, they got this so right. And then you go see it and you're like, what movie were you watching? <laughs> but this feels a little bit different. This feels like pretty yeah. much across the board. There, I, I haven't read one thing that was like, well, he really shit the bed. Yeah. Like yeah. they're all saying the same thing. So I'm stoked. Yeah, I think you're right, Michael. You can usually you can usually read between the lines in certain reviews when you see uh, the superhero stuff. People say certain things, but you rarely see when it's almost in unison that people are saying this is a masterpiece or this is like next level filmmaking when they come out of a film like this, right? I think the superhero thing is more about, hey, let's cater to our fans. With Dune, this is an approach he took with a sci-fi novel that is very much um, a artistic filmmaking approach, but making it consumable to the pop culture mainstream. And so a very difficult thing to do. And no surprise. I mean, the first, uh, like, to be honest, the, you know, you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of Lord of the Rings movies. I certainly don't like that first one. The second and third one is great, but the first one has to do all the work of laying the groundwork of everything. And so it can be a bit, to, to me, boring. It can be a bit that trudges through things. So you kind of have to get all this stuff established. And I think a lot of, a lot of people sensed coming out of the first Dune movie that, okay, they've built the world. This is what they had to do. Now let's see what they're going to do with the pieces now that they've laid them in place. And it seems like from the reactions that Denis Villeneuve has really done this. And I hope to God this becomes a thing now where the Academy starts recognizing Denis more and more, the best director stuff. Maybe this is a Return of the King situation where, okay, the second one landed so well, this is already possibly the best picture leading uh, oh, the, the film that's leading the best picture race already in 2024. And we're just barely into February. So we will see, but I'm very encouraged by the reactions, especially because the people I picked I, are can be quite um, difficult to please in certain ways. So the fact that they're all on board, I think, uh, is a positive uh, overall. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, yeah, more, more importantly, when you go see it on Monday, yeah, are you getting the popcorn bucket? Of course I'm getting the vaginal dentata bucket. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right in that thing. 
I go where angels fear to tread. You guys know. You know that. <laughs> um, but I do want to ask you guys about something that's really interesting that popped up yesterday related to Dune 2, um, which is more the meat of the discussion I want to have on this particular topic. Variety revealed that Anya Taylor-Joy um, confirmed her role at the London premiere. This was massive uh, on social media. A lot of people reacted very negatively to this situation because it was a thing they were keeping under wraps until the movie came out. So what are your feelings when you see this reveal um, uh, from a outlet like Variety two weeks before the film is supposed to come out and they purposely kept this under wraps so that people wouldn't know this. And now there's a lot of people who are really upset about all of this. What are your thoughts on this gentlemen? Why are people upset before I tell you my response? Uh, people are upset because a, she's playing a certain character. They think that she's playing a certain character that they didn't know was going to show up in the movie. So and that's what I won't spoil. I think everybody, okay. I think it's the Andy Taylor joy stuff is all over the internet. So I'm not spoiling anything here, but the character that she's playing, people are speculating a certain character that she's playing and that people didn't know that character was going to appear in Dune part two. Cause I think it's a character connected to other books. Right. And so people were surprised by that. So, there's a lot of people who are upset about it. Obviously, not everybody knows like Shannon knows the books back to front, but the people that do are super upset about it. But over, the overall idea of revealing stuff, because Variety has done this now quite a few times over the last couple of years. What are your thoughts on this? Well, in this case, like, I mean, because I mean, to your point, there's the Harry Styles in the post credit sequence of exactly. Eternals. Yeah, issue, which mean you were at the premiere and saw that. Which we were at the premiere and saw, like and then hour everybody after we came out. Yeah, yeah, everybody ran out of that premiere and was like, Harry Styles, Harry Styles. So that is a thing where if you've not seen the movie yet, uh, you don't you're not supposed to know. Right. But right. if Anya Taylor Joy is at the premiere running yeah, around yeah. in a bed sheet. I'm just kidding. She looks fabulous. But like, but you know, okay. she's running around at the premiere and you're like, well, why is she there? Oh, she's in the movie. But like, now I, I didn't read everything. So I don't know. Variety said, we think she's playing this person, but um, you know, she's there. She's at the yeah. premiere. You're like, oh, you're in the movie. I didn't know. I'm impressed. They kept it secret, but yeah. I don't think covering the fact that an actress showed up at the premiere of a movie that we didn't know was in the movie and oh shit, look, she's in the movie. I don't know that that kind of hits the same bar as we revealed the post-credit sequence of a Marvel film. Okay, all right, Shannon, what are your thoughts on this? Do you do you like do you think it was a, a bit poor form for them to reveal it? I mean, Anya Taylor Joy confirmed it on the red carpet, so she was the one that was speaking about it. So it could be that the studio told her that she could reveal it on the red carpet. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Vogel on this one. I mean, if you show up at the premiere and she says, yes, I'm in this movie, like that is 100%. Like, that's not variety. Like, someone was going to report that. Mm. Um, now, the, the situation with Eternals, um, because even still, like, despite the fact how popular the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, there are still people who are discovering those characters through the movies who are not yeah. going to the comics. So when they came out and said, he's playing this character, the character's the brother of Thanos, it's like, Okay, that's you didn't need to go. You didn't. You shouldn't have gone that far. Um, and and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't think Harry Styles was at that premiere either. I don't think so. Um, yeah. And like, I'm struggling now to think um, with Spider-Man No Way Home, were Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield there? Like, if you want to I keep something a secret, hmm. then you keep you you do everything you can to keep it a secret. And having and having Annie Taylor Joy show up. At the re at the red carpet and and confirm that yes she's in the movie like that's 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 not the the crime that I think like the Eternals thing was. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's a spoiler. There's a spoiler culture thing that people push back on, and certainly um, uh, with the um, Spider-Man No Way Home, there was a prominent person on YouTube who put up pictures from yeah. the movie, and that became a big deal. Uh, tried to back track it a little bit but in the end it was already out there and so that's where you get into it, I think, a little bit of trouble you know i mean i still remember when infinity war came out and the russo mm. brothers wrote that letter and posted it online and, we're yes. like, and they picked the date they were like guys we get it y'all want to talk about it don't spoil anything until this date like yeah. spoiler culture and pushing back against spoiler culture is completely valid and i think yeah. that we do all get so excited about the things that we watch and we're all nerds and so the second that the new episode of Mandalorian drops. The second that the you know new Marvel episode drops, the net, the weekend the movie comes out, everyone is talking about it. Everyone's doing it. We're all tweeting funny memes, funny jokes. Oh, isn't this funny? And it's really easy to get caught up in it and forget that a bunch of people don't run out immediately and see the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So there's things that you don't want to spoil. Or in the case of us today talking about Madam Web, you just say really big, hey, we're going to yeah. talk about it. Um, but yeah, like I think when it's like what Shannon said, like I think like when a studio decides hey, we're going to let this actress walk the red carpet and say, hey, I'm in the movie, yeah. then that's just fair game to be reported on. Now, right. if they were like, she is playing this character in the movie, this character is this, we think that this is what's going on with this character. Like, if they kind of elaborated and went way deeper than what was on the carpet, that gets into how much do we really want to know until we see the movie. Yeah, yeah, fair point, fair point. Um, all right. Well, let us know what you all thought about uh, the Doom 2 reactions and the uh, reveal of Anya Taylor-Joy in the movie in the comments section below. Let's take a quick break. And we're going to jump into a second section of our show. That's getting into some X-Men 97 stuff right after we come back after this. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. There it is. There it is. Good stuff. Uh, well, guys, you, it it's been a good week for Marvel. <laughs> Madam Web aside, <laughs> or because Madam Web was coming out, Marvel decided to come out swinging this week. You know, we got the uh, Wolverine Deadpool trailer at the Super Bowl. We got the announcement about the Fantastic Four casting. You can hit up our Geek Bites episode from earlier yes. in the week to see both of uh, our opinions on all of that stuff. But then in addition, post our Geek Bites, uh, they decided to go ahead and drop the trailer for X-Men 97. Uh, the animated X-Men series coming from Marvel Animation that is a follow-up to the 90s X-Men cartoon. And boy, oh boy, did people get excited about this. Um, it was wild. So, in case you don't know, uh, <laughs> you know, the X-Men animated series 
aired on Fox from about 1992 to about 1996 for five seasons. And for a lot of people, it was their introduction to the X-Men. It was a show that was ahead of its time for multiple reasons. It was one of the first Saturday morning cartoons that told serialized storytelling. Fox decided to air it all out of order, which got very confusing. But if you go to Disney+, Plus. It's fortunately in the right order now, Um, but it told mature storylines. It touched on all of the big issues that are part of the X-Men mythos, you know, X-Men being feared and hated. It touched on racism. It touched on hatred. It touched on all of these huge, huge issues. And this team of X-Men, this particular team of Cyclops, Rogue, Jean Grey, Beast, Wolverine, Gambit, Jubilee, and then Morph, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, is for a lot of people, the iconic X-Men team. So there was a lot of excitement around this, a lot of curiosity on what it was going to be. And based on the trailer, it is literally the next season in the X-Men series. It is X-Men 97 because it's following up after the 96 finale and it picks up right where things left off. The X-Men are dealing with the seeming death of Professor Charles Xavier. Yeah. Professor Charles Xavier has left the, uh, the the school for gifted mutants in the hands of Magneto, and a bunch of shit is going to go down. So, um, gentlemen, before we dive into some of the so, some of the wild opinions on Twitter in the past twenty four hours about this show, um, what did you guys think of the trailer? And what did you guys did you guys grow up with the X Men series? Did you not grow up with the X Men series? And either way, what did you think of this? Um, okay, I'll, I'll go first then. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did a trailer reaction, and, and I was, uh, you know what, I did it yesterday, and I just was like, I've only seen a couple episodes of the show, I don't know if I should do a trailer reaction, but I was like, ah, fuck it, I'll put it up there, and I liked it, and I got the nice response from people who understood, like, I hadn't seen a lot of it, so there's, there's quite a few people who haven't seen it, but are excited for this season, and maybe going back to Disney Plus to catch up, it's 76 episodes, it's daunting, but maybe I can get it done before March, because if I watch two a day, maybe I'll knock it out, but I like the updated animation that still has the feeling of the old school animation. I like that you've got some new voiceover actors coming in and, and being a part of this. Shout out to friend of the show, J.P. Carliac, who's playing Morph. And so you're having all of these, and Jennifer Hale, who I love to pieces, and you're having these really talented people being involved in this. I like the storylines here. We're seeing the Sentinels. We're seeing Magneto coming in right at the end. What's the story that's going to be told there? Is the last will and testament true? Uh, why would Xavier do this? So a lot of questions, but overall, and then the, the updated version of the theme song I thought was really cool as well. So across the board, for a guy who's only seen a few episodes of this original series, this got me really excited to watch this series and see what they're going to do with it. And um, it feels like they understand what made the first iteration work and how they could update it in a way that would make it for work for audiences nowadays. So I came away from the trailer very confident that this is going to be a good show. So yeah, I didn't grow up with the show. I mean, like it came out in 96 that or 92. That is when I started high school. And so I was not, I was not um, as into animation as I, as I am now. Um, So watching the trailer, like I definitely acknowledge, like they are really going after that nostalgic audience. I mean, at comic con two years ago, they at the yeah. Marvel Animation panel, they actually showed a uh, working animatic, which is essentially like moving storyboards, and you can hear a lot of the same actors voicing the characters. Um, so I I could watch people have a very emotional, visceral reaction to this. Um, I think the challenge of the show is because it looks so of its time. Um, the the craft has evolved a little bit, 
in the last 30 years. So if that, if it, if it reads, if it comes off to you as a little old and some of the voice acting is, is very presentational and, and very declarative, um, it, it's, it's just very different than what folks are maybe getting now. So mm-hmm. I see the challenge there, but as a fan of, of all things Marvel, um, when saw Madam Web yesterday, um, I will definitely, I will definitely be checking it out. It's an interesting. You bring up an interesting point because there, it's, it's a, it's a gamble for sure. Mm. Um, they're clearly going for a specific vibe, and I, as the, as the one of the three of us that like watched it every Saturday morning, yeah. was obsessed yeah. with it, loved the show. Like I, John, I'll be curious to see if you could do two a day, getting up to the the launch of this thing. Like they, some of them are hard to get through. I oh, love oh. it. The stories are great. Right. That animation is dated yeah, now, yeah, what, they've done, yeah. what they've done in the in the new version in x-men 97 it has the vibe yeah, the yeah. animation is better uh it's smoother it looks better but they're definitely going shannon's right they're going for something that if you didn't grow up with the series will this be your cup of tea but the balance to that is this is the very first time marvel entertainment is diving into mutants mm-hmm. like they've teased it we, I mean, we got a little Professor X in Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Uh, we got a little X Men theme when they said when they told uh, Miss Marvel that she was a mutant. Like they they've teased us a couple times, but this is full on. It is the X Men. It is in like even though it's in the world of animation, like the mutants are finally in here in the MCU in a, in a way. And so I think there's going to be a lot of excitement about that. And it'll be curious to see if people watch it and go, "Ooh, what is this? It feels so dated." Or if people are going to get into it. Um, additionally, uh, you mentioned JP Carliac, friend of the, Ooh. but one of our buddies, uh, yeah. voicing Morph, they have come out and said that, uh, Morph, who was one of the only characters in the original series that was created for the show. He was not mm-hmm. from a comics. He was an original character. Spoiler alert. He dies pretty early on, but he comes back later. Um, I don't, I think the spoiler cap is okay since that was like decades ago, Yeah, but he's back <laughs> in the show. Uh, and they've announced that he's going to be non-binary. And boy, oh boy. <laughs> boy, oh boy. You check YouTube yesterday and the Disney has gone woke and ruined the X-Men memes are going wild, which I find particularly entertaining uh, yeah. given that of all comic book franchises, X-Men is almost by definition woke. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure how the comic book brand that is all about a group of minorities who are feared and hated by others for being different could be any more woke than it is. But apparently a lot of people online yesterday seemed to think so. Uh, There's also a strong contingent of people that are very upset that they have taken rogues proportions and made them a little more normal and a little (laughs) bit less like they were designed by a prepubescent 11 year old. So uh, gentlemen, X-Men, can they go too woke? Uh, listen, I'm going to get in trouble and I don't give a shit but, uh, because I am used to it and I can take it. These anti-woke motherfuckers need something to make money off of their fan base from. And so they have to fabricate anger. They have to fabricate this kind of reaction. They were waiting for something. Something. They, the, 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 the mill must be fed. The, the ravenous, angry people must be fed on that side of the of the fan spectrum and and you're fooling yourself if you don't think 
the political spectrum is reflected in fandom. It is. It's absolutely that. There's the woke and the anti-woke. That whole shit is, is a part of our fandom. It's been a part of our fandom the last few years now. And here they come. They've, they've got to make videos off of it. They've got to make this certain amount. They've got to have this level of view so that their sponsors make money and they can make money. So it's unfortunate to see these kinds of things because the character's name is Morph. It is X-Men. To make it binary seems so fucking logical that it almost defies logic to be upset about it, honestly. But of course, logic is rarely involved in these kinds of things. So be upset at me all you want. And the rogue situation, I think that's smart. You know what I'm saying? That the times change. You want to respect women. You don't want to make it something that people are overtly uh, uh, you know, going insane about physically and whatever. And so you want to make the proportions accurate. That's okay. I think that's fair. Do you know what I'm saying? So people just need something to be upset about. And they need something to make videos off of. So people keep watching their channels. Uh, so it, that's what it is at the end of the day. And we see it all the time now in all the fandom. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I, I think that toxicity stains the joy that people had coming out of this trailer when it dropped yesterday. So, yeah. Shannon? Look, this 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 has always been what it's been. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you were if you were a fan of it and you didn't quite realize it, you maybe want to go and sort of reevaluate that experience. But I mean, the whole idea of mutants when Stanley created it, I mean, with, with Xavier and Magneto, yeah. it was the uh, the MLK malcolm x thing and mm -hmm. then as the the movies kind of came into prominence i mean you know they really leaned into the idea that this was this was uh, a metaphor for that uh, for the gay experience yeah, for, the for, for, for young homosexual kids i mean so this is what it always has been mm -hmm. um like sorry if that didn't register at the time but it's, well, but this is always what it's been yeah. It's interesting. So I uh, tweeted some stuff yesterday and mm. it, uh, got, ended up going into a deep dive into some very muddy waters. Did anybody, re uh, and did, I watched... did anybody reply to it? Did anybody? <laughs> reply no, nobody. It? Nobody. It got it. Uh, nobody really. I just tweeting into the void. Tweeting into the void. Um, but so I. This is this is the part that kind of surprised me and bugged me. Okay. Because um, I agree with everything you're saying. But getting into the gray of it, I've seen a lot of these. I watched some of these, like, you know, X-Men is now too woke YouTubers. Uh, not going to name them because I don't want to give them the publicity. But, you know, they, they did this really interesting thing there where they were like, look, everyone's going to get mad at me, but I have a lot of LGBTQ plus friends. <laughs> and they don't like being gay baited. They don't like these studios doing these little gay characters just to try and appease them. They tell me how much they hate it. And it's true. We've talked about this on the show. Like when Disney, and then Disney did it with the live action Beauty and the Beast. They yeah. certainly did it in Rise of Skywalker. When they make a big deal out of we have a gay character and give you a point four second shot of two 100%. people kissing yeah. that they're going to cut out before they ship it to China. That's, that is gay baiting. Right. Like, that is not cool. 100%. Like I, I totally get that. But now what I see a lot of kind of the right wing, more uh, woke mob or anti-woke mob people doing is they're using that argument and they're using it against so any character. Right. So like now they're like, well, this morph, this is gay baiting. I'm like, well, OK, first of all, maybe it is. We haven't seen it yet, but I doubt that it is. And to John's point, yes, I hate to break it to you. But if you are a character that can shapeshift into any man or any woman that you want, I guarantee you, you've done some shit. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, there is no way you didn't. So it actually, you know, it totally makes sense for the character. I'm curious to see where they go with the character.
there's absolutely the point where somebody might be like, oh, I don't really like what they did with that. But I don't think so. And knowing that JP is doing the voice of it, I think that's a smart move. So I think across the board, it's probably not that. But I just wanted to bring it up because I do see some of these arguments getting a little bit trickier and trying to be like, I'm trying to be like an ally by telling you that this is bad. And you're like, no, you're just being trickier. Yeah. And that's that's what they feed on. And that's what they do. Right. All the time. And I see that. And they always find people who represent certain communities who think like them to be on their shows to be like, see, here's my Latino friend who doesn't. Here's my black friend who doesn't like it. It's it's all the same bullshit at the end of the day. And it's it's unfortunate to see. And I'm not saying that they might not have some validity in certain moments. I don't I would never say that fully. But certainly stuff like this, there's bad faith in some of these arguments when you look at it. That's unfortunate at the end of the day because no one's seen it other than the people who've made it. So how can you possibly speculate that this is gay baiting in any way, shape or form? Why not wait till it comes out? Then you have evidence, you know, like the He-Man thing. They twisted that all around. And I watched the show. I'm like, what are you people talking about? So, yeah, it's crazy. Well, we will all be able to find out uh, when X-Men comes out uh, next month on Disney Plus from the whole Marvel team and uh, head writer and executive producer Bo DeMaio. So we yeah. are very excited. And um, depending on um, how busy things are, maybe we'll do a little bit of uh, X-Men 97 um, reviews if Johnny is ready to dive in and Shannon is uh, ready to... Watch some cartoons that she wasn't ready to do in high school, apparently. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. It's speaking of Shannon, he's going to take us in the world of trailers right after this. Let's go. With trailers, trailers, trailers. March is a big month. Not only are we not are we getting X-Men 97, we're getting the three things that we're just about to talk about. And the first one is a trailer for a new Netflix feature film called Damsel. This one stars Millie Bobby Brown, Ray Winstone, Angela Bassett, and in a return to the to the fantasy genre, Princess Buttercup herself, Robin Wright. Yeah. So this one is essentially about a a young royal young royal maiden, a young princess who gets married to to another family and it seems like everything's going to be great. Handsome young prince, um adoring new mother-in-law in the form of uh Robin Wright. And turns yeah. out she's actually going to be sacrificed as part of this this other family's um, ancient <laughs> debt to some supernatural being, supernatural entity. Um, I thought this one looked like a lot of fun, kind of came out of nowhere for me. But gentlemen, I'll throw, throw it over to you all first. Mikey, let's go with you. What did you think of our first look at Damsel? First off, I love fairy tale shit. You, you, like, I love kings, queens, knights, like, like, far away, long ago, once upon a time. I, I love it. I am always inclined to dive into the world of a fairy tale. And this is, to me, whether the movie is good or not, all the pieces are there for this to be great. And it's a simple story. This doesn't, this isn't complicated. Hey, I found, you're going to marry a prince. It's going to be great. Oh, I'm going to get my happily ever after. Look, this looks great. Psych, I'm throwing you into the cave. You're dead. Nope, I'm going to fight my way out. Like, it's a, it, it's it's straight down the line. You get what it is from the trailer. But if they do it right, it looks like it's going to be super, super satisfying. Um, and it doesn't feel like this is a particular, we're doing girl power. This is this, this is this. It's just girl power is inherent to the story. She doesn't want to die. 
She can fight her way out. <laughs> the end. Like, that's it. So to me, this was just like a, a home run trailer. I'm excited about the movie. The Robin Wright of it all, that is A-plus casting. Like, you know, it's, I, it was, it's like uh, Dark Knight. It's like you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like <laughs> Princess Buttercup grew up and got dirty. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm super into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm super, super excited. Definitely going to check it out as soon as it comes out. Like I said, is it a great cut trailer for a mediocre movie or is it a trailer that is letting you know that this is something good? We will find out. But right now, I'm excited. Johnny, you ready to go to a land far, far away? Yeah, I really was surprised at how much I like this trailer. I, you know, I you know, see certain trailers and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Let's see. And then I, I walked out of this one going, this looks awesome. Because, listen, I'm becoming a massive Millie Bobby Brown fan. And uh, to uh, the Jedi way, uh, Laura Kelly's credit, she texted me and Kevin yesterday after seeing the trailer and said, I'm coming closer to uh, seeing the possibility of Millie Bobby Brown as a Princess Leia recast, which I've been talking about on Jedi Way for a while now. So I like the idea of her getting more and more opportunities to show what she can do as an actress and what she can do in a, in a, in a, film, in a film like this. And what's interesting about this, too, the Robin Wright thing, you guys, are, you nailed that spot on. That's great. Having Angela in this, I think, is fantastic as yeah. well. But you can tell, if you're looking for it, there's commentary here. There's commentary about... Well, this is the way it's always been. This is what we do. This is tradition, blah, blah, blah. Don't question it. Don't be a woman who questions tradition. Let us have our things. There's also commentary about the idea of classism. Well, they're the rich people. I don't, Angela says, I don't trust them. I, you shouldn't trust them. So this idea of like, do we trust the people of power and wealth in our society? The people who are supposedly telling us what we're supposed to be doing, what we should sacrifice for. So there's a lot going on here beyond just what you're getting in the surface. But if you don't even want to go that deep, the surface of it is a lot of fun. And and I yeah. like that this she's a badass who's going to fight her way out of this situation. And Millie is so built for something like this. Um, and I know there was that film a few months ago on Hulu where she was the, I forget, Joey King, I think it was the act. She was like the princess or whatever. Was it Maiden? That, was it called yeah, Maiden? Something like that. And those are the films that I'm like, Ugh. but this, this has some style and design to it, an interesting context to it that I think gets me excited to watch nothing you can say in that it's just not my cup of tea this is my cup of tea and i and i'm very much looking and the visuals here are fucking stunning and the gold masks i mean you can't help but think of game of thrones or 300 from those masks so they're having some kind of allusions to other stuff we've seen before so yeah yeah watching this i'm like eyes wide shut eyes wide shut (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 This is like, oh, this is fantasy ready or not. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the, the the seemingly perfect yep, family right. <laughs> um, sacrificing you for for shit for shit they've done in the past. Um, <laughs> you know, Millie Bobby Brown. You know, you know, she, obviously she exploded onto the scene with Stranger Things and Eleven. Um, she's carved out a little franchise for herself with Netflix with the Enola Holmes right. series. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how she transitions into adulthood. And based off of this trailer, another character on Netflix where she's playing someone named Elodie. So we've got Eleven, Enola, and Elodie. Um, you know, I, if, if this turns out well, I mean, this could definitely be, you know, uh, Millie Bobby Brown sort of ascension into like, all right, now, now, now you're like a legit, now you're going to be a legit movie star yeah. because of the yeah. things that have come before you. I gotta tell you, man, because it's come up a lot this week with the uh, with the with the Johnny Storm casting. But mm. um, a lot of times you have those those younger kid actors, and they get older, and you're like, oh, well, they were good as kids, but here we go. That whole Stranger Things, I think, is just a like a fucking field of A plus actors that are going to continue to be A plus actors 
for like the next 15, 20 years. Like, like just across the board, I think there's, there's not, I'm not saying all the way, I'm not saying everybody, so, but I, I think the majority of them, I think the majority of them are far better than they, uh, than a lot of other kid actors in other franchises are. Well, and yeah, I, think I would think, okay, no, yeah, go ahead, Johnny. Well, I was just saying real quick, and I think that's why the casting uh, Oscar has been approved because people are seeing how important casting yeah. is and how incredible it is for these cast directors to find these diamonds uh, in the rough or these unpolished diamonds and give them the opportunity to show themselves in numerous uh, scenarios. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, Shannon, go ahead. What were you well, no, I was going to say between Millie Bobby Brown <laughs> and, and uh, Finn Wolfhard, like, you know, right. the, a, a good section of that main cast has gone on. Yeah. Um, and, and also uh, the guy who plays Steve, who's, who was just in Fargo. His name yeah. is escaping me. Like, like a good section of their main kind of kid cast that were cast when they were kids have gone on to do bigger things. And that's not to say that the rest of them won't because right. there's still another season of stranger things left. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I do agree that in terms of casting the stranger things team really did it right. But we will all get to see if Millie Bobby Brown can make that make that journey into uh, action heroine uh, with Damsel when it drops on Netflix on March 8th. That comes to our next trailer, which is our uh, first first or second look. It's the it's the first look at the second part of the second season of Invincible. There you go. You got there. You got there. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, the how x-men 97 looks and if that visual style is going to resonate with modern audiences invincible for me was was difficult at the beginning because they were doing kind of that older style that kind mm. of old saturday morning kind of super friends adjacent uh type visual medium and and i will i will fully admit uh, a, a few episodes into season one i was like yeah this this is this is really really working for me and where the first season or the where the first part of the second season ended um <laughs> i think uh uh yeah i i think story wise you got it you got it, you got it. <laughs> it's kind of firing on all cylinders what is going see. on with you how hard is this <laughs> you want to talk about the opening of the show <laughs> i did it right <laughs> Do we want you, you guys were paid not. <laughs> I spit the video again. No. All right, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Anyways, I think this second part of the second season looks really good. But Johnny, since you're doing everything perfectly today, why don't you oh. take it away? What did you think? Well, the party, the first part, the party, the second part. And listen, <laughs> um, for those of you who are Mox Brothers fans, I, I, I'm a fan of this show so much. And I have a weird relationship with certain shows. Like I hesitate to watch them because I know I'm going to be like engrossed into the world of what they're creating. So it's a weird thing for me as a critic and reviewer to have that, but I have that, which unfortunately, like that's why I haven't even dived into masters of the air because I know once I start, I'm going to want to watch all the episodes and it'll consume my fucking weekend. You know, with invincible is the same way. I always have to be like, okay, I got to clear some hours here because I really want to dive into this and watch it again after I watch it the first time because there's so much going on with the show. So seeing this trailer, I thought this trailer was great. There's some new characters coming in to the second part of the second season here that I think is going to be you know, it's going to be real fun to watch. There are some allusions back to stuff that we saw. We're finally getting the villain back again, which I thought was a real weird situation. The first, I think it was four episodes that came out of the second season. I was like, Okay, we're introduced to him. I kind of want to see him every episode, and we didn't 100% get that. So I like that we're going back in, and I pause at certain moments at the end of the trailer to see who wasn't at that funeral to guess who's dying in that, who might be in that casket. 
And I've got a theory of who might be in that casket because a certain person is not standing around that casket. And I'm wondering if that's the death. And if that's the death, they're going to have to work really hard to make me care about that person's death by the uh, by that uh, episode. So overall, though, the family stuff, it's all here. Him screaming that he's not going to let anyone mess with his family again. That gets me super hyped. And God damn it, are we going to redeem Omni-Man? Fuck. All right. So uh, overall, just very excited. So there you go. Mikey, what do you think? One plus two plus one plus one? Yeah, so... The first look of the second part of the second season was really was really nice. Um, I, I, you know, unlike John, uh, I don't have to guess. Um, I've read all of the Invincible comics. I kind of know where they're going. So I have the opposite end of it is I'm looking at a couple shots that come in, a couple legs that land, a couple things that you see. And I was like, oh, OK, here we go. And it does seem like they're moving a couple things up a little bit from where they came into the com- a couple characters up from where they came into the comics. But like there is some. It is some shit. Some shit's coming. Like it is Invincible. Does you know Robert Kirkman as a as a creator? He did he did a similar thing with Walking Dead and with Invincible. Um, and you know Walking Dead famously, uh, you know things just caught, kept getting worse and worse for Scott Grimes. You just, it just you had to keep going. And once they hit Negan uh, and some stuff in the in the series, people were like, "It's too much. Like, I can't. It's too." <laughs> Uh, it's too dark. And, and you know, even you it's and like with Walking Dead, you just sort now the same thing is going to happen in Invincible with Mark, but because of the world and because of the universe and because of the superheroicness, I don't think it gets quite as bleak uh as Walking Dead does, but shit is coming. Um, kind of to your point about Omni Man, like, you know, what that what's great about Invincible as a comic and what they've done so well on the show is that you watch the first season and you're like, fuck, man, this is about this guy and his dad is like, you thought his dad was great and his dad is horrible. And now like his dad almost killed him and what's going to happen. And then we've gotten to the, we've, we finished the first half of the second season and you're like, well, this relationship is not going how I thought it was going to go. I'm confused. Where are we going? But in a good way, like it just, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps adding new elements. And so, yeah, this trailer made me very, very excited for what we're going to see for the rest of this season. Yeah, and it challenges you, right? Because, like, at the end of the first, like, you find out what Omni Man's been doing, and you're like, God damn it. But then that's life, isn't it? Sometimes you can't, obviously, you can't choose your parents. So, like, the strange shit that they do, you as the child have to deal with it sometimes. So, I like that that that's it's a nice element in the show as well that it challenges you as a viewer to be like, man, why would you do that? But then it's like, well, I guess I can see his logic, but I don't want to see his logic. So, I like it. I like it. Well, and and if you're paying attention to everything that's going on, there is a consistent theme that's being built, which is kind of core to like what Invincible is as a series, because mm. Mark is dealing with what he's dealing with. Like, I wanted to be a superhero just like my dad. Whoop, don't want to be that. What do I want to yeah. be? Adam Eve is going around trying to figure out, like, you know, she goes and rebuilds a building and then the building collapses because she didn't know how to build it. You're like, well, that's not right. And then even Angstrom Levy, who we lost and now we're getting back yeah. uh, in the season is like, he's like, well, I'm super smart. What can I do to make the world better? And there's this idea of like, we've grown up reading comic books and watching comic book movies forever. We know what happens. I'm a good guy. Here's a bad guy. I go punch the bad guy. I stop him from destroying things. If I'm Batman, I throw him in a cell. He's going to come out six months later, going to do the same thing over again. I'm going to punch him again. Is that the best way to handle things? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. And Invincible kind of dives into those issues, which is what I love about it. Hmm. 
Well, and one character that we did get to hear their voice, I don't know the character's name, but like one of the, the great things I think about J.K. Simmons' Omni-Man is J.K. Simmons is just a terrific, terrific performer. He can go yeah. from warm and nurturing to absolutely terrifying. He has a great growl in his voice, which, you know, go watch Whiplash, you know, not my tempo. Mm. Um, but also we get, we get uh, Clancy Brown who looks like he might be Omni-Man's kind of uh, commander. So you get another one of those great, you know, you, how did you get so soft? Hmm. Like just, just a terrific, terrific voice cast. So yes, even though I get a little confused about in which order, which things came, um, I'm still very much looking forward to the second part of the second season of Invincible, which comes out on Amazon Prime on March 14th. Yeah. And our last trailer, which is the second trailer, of the fifth movie <laughs> of the Warner Brothers yeah. MonsterVerse is Godzilla and Kong the New Empire. So, you know, we got uh, we got our teaser a couple of weeks ago. This one sees, you know, our continuing characters from Godzilla versus Kong with Rebecca uh, Rebecca Hall and Brian Tyree Henry. We get the addition of Dan Stevens in this one. So basically, uh, we find out that the Titans were the guardians of uh, nature and the, the great apes were the protectors of humanity. And we find out there's something going on underneath the earth where Godzilla and Kong are going to have to team up. Uh, so, gentlemen, I'll throw it over to you first. What did you think of our second look at Godzilla and Kong, the new empire? Mikey, take it away. I mean... The, don't, don't you dare. It. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. You just saw it, Madam Webb. How can you say that? All right. I didn't say it was the worst thing. Let me finish. Let me finish. <laughs> this is like, there's just a certain level, like to the Madam Web point. There are movies where you're like, I want to make a great film. I'm Denny Villeneuve. I'm going to take Dune. I'm going to do art, art, artistic storytelling and cinematography and make a beautiful thing. Then there's like, I want to take this ridiculous story about superheroes or sci-fi stuff or monsters, but I'm going to like give it, I'm going to give it some meaning. I want to say something. Go see Godzilla minus one. It's mm -hmm. possible to do. You can go, I'm going to do a giant monster movie and I'm going to make it about something. I want to say something about culture. I want to have this emotional story. Warner Brothers has decided clearly not that that's not their road they're going down. <laughs> they don't want to do that. They have chosen their lane. Yeah. And their lane is fuck it. Let's go. And at a certain point, you've just got to respect it. Like when you're like, we are building, we watch King Kong get a beam at a beam shot at him. He stops it with an ax, but that's not enough. So the humans build him a giant glove so that he can fight the other monkey who is using a giant chain to whip buildings around and hurl them at people. And you're like, guys, I don't know if this makes any sense, but this is cinema. I'm in. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't expect anything from this movie. I don't expect good story. I don't expect a story that even makes sense. But I'm going to see the monkey whip chain the building and throw it at Kong, and Kong hit it with his power glove. And my favorite thing is that they're like, oh we're modeling this movie after like Lethal Weapon or Buddy Cop movies. Kong and Godzilla don't get along, but they're going to work as a team. I'm like, this, okay, cool, great. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. Johnny. Yeah. 
Tell tell them the truth. Tell them how great this is. This looks fantastic. This looks like the best one of them all. I'll be honest with you. This looks like a lot of fun. The first teaser, I was like, oh, I don't know. I get okay, fine. Scar King. Okay, them running together. I saw a lot of people getting upset about fictional dinosaurs running on a fucking ledge. But I this was like boom, man. So much in here that I love. And for for me as a massive fan of the original, obviously those which those films from back then, which Pluto TV has an awesome channel that just shows them all day, all every day, which is great and catch up on all of them. I was I love the aspect of the connections that they were making to these old school uh, films from that time and uh, the characters that are bringing they're bringing I mean bringing in Scar King. You have Shades of Planet of the Apes because that's essentially Koba who wants to take over and then wants to attack the humans. Uh, we hear about the great apes, as you said, and of course I couldn't help but think of great ape. But you hear about the great apes that were protecting the humans initially, so you understand why Kong has a certain connection with the humans. That makes sense. Godzilla, we're getting pink and blue, so we have to figure out when he's using one, when he's using the other. I love that. The axe handle, that creature, is an, that's an ice blast. So what is that creature? How old is that creature? And we see fear on Kong's face for the first time ever in five movies. So why is he afraid? I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. And the big thing, that is Mothra in her eyes. Mothra! That is my third favorite of all of these creatures, so of the Titans. So the fact that we're getting Mothra, and as soon as that Asian girl was like using sign language, I'm like, oh, Mothra. And sure enough, sure enough, there it is. So I'm very much looking forward to that as well, because if you remember, the old school Mothra uh, had that connection to yeah. a, those two Asian girls. So I, overall, just, just for whatever reason, man, and again, I'm the guy who loves those Transformers trailers, so take it with a grain of salt. But for whatever reason, this looks like it's going to be an awesome time at the theater. So there you go. And I always, I feel the same way about this. I don't have the the tie to this that I have with Transformers. Like, mm. and Godzilla minus one to me is the proof of this. Like when I watch this, I'm like, look, there is a better movie in there. Like there is, you can take King Kong and Godzilla and there is a world where yeah. you're doing these movies with them that are not this, that elevates it. But at a certain point you're like, you know what? I respect your choice. Well, bro, the trailer has 11 million views, yeah. man. I'm like, I respect million. your choice. Yeah. And I will be there. And when that building gets hurled, I will. I saw somebody tweet, like, <laughs> me in that building calling my wife and children, telling them I will always love them. And I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. I was like, yeah, man. Okay, let's do it. I just want the 80s, um, 80s black captain of detectives to be like god damn it godzilla you're gonna make this work and you go out there and you catch this shit with kong and kong you better make this work i just i just want to see something that i just want kong at some point just to like lean against a building and sigh heavily in a very like i'm getting too old for this shit kind of moment and then godzilla comes and just like smacks him on the ass and glows pink and blue and then they both go fight something and i'm like yep i'm in let's do it they don't (laughs) gotta like you (laughs) <laughs> you you want to see this movie I mean, based <laughs> off of what you've been saying <laughs> i told this, you i'm there Michael this Zim. is the type of movie you have to see in the first weekend because you want to see it on the biggest oh, screen God. the biggest screen available uh which will be on march 29th uh march is going to be a big month for uh for things on television and for things literally a big month uh for things uh, in the theaters 
Yeah, there's going to be smoke coming off of this YouTube channel in March for sure. There's going to be so much to do. Um, all right, well, there you go. Thanks, Shannon, for the trailers breakdowns. A lot of fun. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll gird our loins and get ready to jump into Madam Web right after this. All right, let's go. Um, so uh, get ready, everybody. This is a spoiler review of Madam Web. Spoiler review, just saying that ahead of time. So if you want to turn off the Geek Buddies right now, go watch it, the movie, and come back and hang out with us and feel free. If you don't and you just don't give a shit, well, thank you for continuing to watch. Here we go. Or if you've seen the movie, thank you for continuing to watch. All right, gentlemen, it is official. Madam Web is in theaters, been in theaters since Valentine's Day, ironically, because uh, no one seems to love this movie. And it is getting absolutely destroyed by so many critics here. We had a collection of these fantastic young actresses, Celeste O'Connor, uh, Isabel Merced, and uh, Kate, uh, uh, Sydney Sweeney there with uh, Dakota Johnson. Uh, and then we had a villain uh, uh, being a part of this who is essentially a Spider-Man, La Araña, uh, played by Tahar Rahim. We had an Adam Scott playing Ben Parker, Uncle Ben. And we had a miscasting, in my opinion, of Emma Roberts as Peter Parker's mom, continuing the Spider-Verse uh, and only seeing these characters in their outfits for less than probably a cumulative minute of on-screen time. So... Mike, I go to you first, as I do with these things. Overall thoughts on Madam Web uh, from Sony Pictures. So I just want to say this before we dive in. Okay. We we try and be as positive as possible. We we talk about this all the time. Some of our yeah, friends get mad at us for it. But like, I am well aware of the fact that the three of us don't always agree. But every once in a while, the three of us are like, this was bad. And we try and couch stuff because we know that out there... Some of you like it. So I hate Multiverse of Madness. I know some of you are like huge Raimi fans. I don't like Zack Snyder movies. John loves them. Shannon's yes. in the middle. Like we always try and find it. And I would say, I thought about this a lot last night as I got out of the movie. The stuff that I've hated the most, the stuff that I've really disliked the most in the past year, the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Rebel Moon, the Marvels, uh, Quantumania, all the stuff that we've talked about where we've been disappointed. I can go through those movies and tell you well, I like this. That 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 battle scene with the musical notes in Doctor Strange, it was stylish. That was cool. Thor Love and Thunder made me laugh. Like the Marvels, there was a good story in there. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. There is nothing good in this movie. There's no, there is nothing in this movie for me to be like, well, I see what they were trying to do. And had they done this, it might've been stronger. There's none of it. This is like, Sony needs to have Spider-Man taken away from them. Like, it is just like, this is so bad. Now, that being said, I had a blast at the movie theater. Oh, okay. People people were hooting and hollering and yelling at the screen because it is from the moment the movie opens and her mom is nine months pregnant in the Amazon looking for spiders and Ezekiel brings her an umbrella and she yells at him for giving her an umbrella to the very end of this movie, it is every possible bad decision you can make. Yeah. And I think the most, the most, the most annoying part of it is kind of what you brought up, which is you have three really strong actresses yeah. playing three really cool, potentially cool characters for Sony. And you decided to put them all in one movie for a reason that mystifies me. And 
promote them by putting them in the costumes that they will one day wear and then forget about the fact that they never actually get their powers. Right. We don't know enough about their journey. Like you're just saying, here's three people that are basically the MacGuffins that Dakota Johnson has to keep safe for the movie that are going to one day be something, but we don't even get a hint of that at all in this movie. Like we don't get the beginnings of an origin story. It's just a mess. Top to bottom. <laughs> Shannon McClung, your thoughts. I mean, again, as as Vogel already correctly put it, like we do try to find something. <laughs> and like from the moment this movie started where uh, Carrie Bechet is playing um, Cassie's mom. Another and, and, great actress being wasted yeah, in this film. Yeah. And, and I, re- I really like Carrie Bechet. Mm-hmm. But as soon as she started talking, I'm like, something's off. right from the beginning i'm like something is not right and you know you go from it to harahim to me kind of doing like like a off-brand javier bardem impersonation um it it was just nothing worked and i love adam scott i feel like adam scott was 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 doing his was doing his ben parker best but I mean, just nothing. It, it was it was shocking to me that I'm like literally nothing in this, nothing in this is working. And you can really kind of anchor it all with Dakota Johnson, like 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 Dakota Johnson in, in Social Network. I'm like, you did a you're in one scene. You did a perfectly fine job. <laughs> right. Everything else that I've seen her in, I'm one of the few people that wasn't a big fan of Peanut Butter Falcon. But um, oh wow, yeah, I didn't like it that much. Okay. Um, but everything that she's been in. You know, we talk about the 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 Nepo baby thing that kind of is is can be a big part of Hollywood. Um, and I feel like she is the maybe the worst example of it, just because like watching her watching her stilted line delivery, I'm like, there is nothing <laughs> behind her eyes. I mean, even even when she was drive when she was uh, they had that uh, hot, the ambulance scene at the beginning, I'm like. I don't really think, I mean, I get that this is supposed to be your job and this is every day, but there was no difference between her driving in that scene and her driving later. I'm like, there's just, there's no urgency. There's no passion. There's just, it's just devoid of anything. And some of the choices that they make at the end, like how they dispatch Ezekiel, I'm like, really? A Pepsi I mean, everything was just kind of bad. Like, and like full disclosure, I dozed off for about 15 minutes right, <laughs> right before the first action scene on the subway. And I was woken up by the, by, by the 50 people in my theater laughing. And it wasn't like some big, some big joke had just dropped. Like they were literally laughing at what was happening on the screen. And at one point, I think it was the, the spider person line, Johnny. Yes. Um, I heard a guy in front of me go, God, come yeah. on. It's exactly what I said. Yeah, I mean it. It is. It is. It is a real, real bad movie, and uh, I, I wouldn't go as far to say Spider Man should be taken from Sony, but maybe you just, maybe you just give that to Lord and Miller. You just keep making Spider First movies. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I was at I was at a press screening. I was at a press screening, and people were not laughing, but you could hear audible like, "Ugh," or, Oof, you know, and the Spider Person thing. I was sitting in the back corner because I, you know, you guys know you've seen movies with me. When I don't like a movie, everybody fucking knows I don't like a movie. So I put myself in the back corner because I had a feeling this wouldn't, this wouldn't be good. Even though I was hoping against hope. Like, to be fair, I didn't go in with my mind made up. I'm like, maybe this is okay. And then I watched, and as I was going along, I'm like, there's so much nonsensical stuff going on in this film. I don't understand 
how they get away. Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, I don't know how the fuck you guys have jobs, and I don't know how you keep uh, uh, – Lost in Space, fine, two seasons of it. But that doesn't mean you get to make so many shitty fucking movies. Like, it's just mind-blowing how terrible the writing and the dialogue is in this. And I and I saw Dakota come out now recently in one of her famous press uh, interviews and say, like, oh, the script changed a lot from when I signed on. Did it, though? Because I've seen all these other scripts from these guys. It's pretty fucking similar how terrible it is. And so, like, you introduce the one comedy actor in your film and you kill him off within five minutes. You don't even give him time to connect with the characters. It's just, <laughs> let's get the black guy and then let's kill the black guy. The trope you've seen in how many films you're still doing it in 2024? So stupid. Sending white people into South America to get this fantasy thing that apparently they couldn't figure out how to send to the rest of the world but they're gonna but white people are gonna figure it out and it's to save my child oh mom you did love me the whole time you don't even build up the trauma like that's the thing there are things that are presented here they're like you know what if you just spent a little more time fleshing them out making the connections making it work and michael you bring up a great point you bring these three girls together they're from broken homes okay let's deal with commonality of family of emotional trauma from broken families from missing parents from parents that don't care from parents who are too rich to care all these things let's make it work you got a white girl black girl latina girl and you've got dakota johnson's situation an older woman dealing with still her mom trauma let's explore that that could be really interesting to see four women talking about this from the different stages and experiences that they have there's one hotel room scene where oh oh your mom oh my mom oh your mom or oh, your dad and it's that's it and so there's just so much that's wasted here. And the villain has zero motivation. Like, who is he? Why is he trying to rule this world? What is his whole point? And, oh, oh, here's my assistant, who I give you no backstory on, who's helping me do all these things. So <laughs> just the level of nonsensical so, is just insane, man. All that being absolutely true. Um, I want to talk about some things that I loved. <laughs> I... You love. said love. You said love. I love when a movie goes, I am the main character and I hate helping people. Yeah. My, my core character trait is that I hate helping people and I am a paramedic first responder. <laughs> like, girl, go, go work at the DMV. Like, don't, if you hate helping people this much, yeah. don't be a paramedic. I also love. Wait, wait, uh, wait, Mike. Here's my drawing. Get that away from me. <laughs> it, it, it does seem it does seem like it was really challenging in those first you know when you have a, when you make a movie and like here's your main character you there's a whole thing called save the cat in screenwriting like there's a whole like here's the things that we're gonna have this character do in the first 15 minutes or so of the movie so that you as the audience like them you know, like Aladdin steals bread at the beginning of Aladdin, but the, the the thing he does as soon as that song ends is he gives the bread to some poor little children. You're like, oh, he's a good guy. Right. <laughs> Going, hey, you saved this kid's mom. He drew you a picture. I don't want that. <laughs> like it was, it was wild. Other thing I love, three yeah. girls on the run because a man is trying to kill them who are supposed to lay low, say, we shouldn't do anything in this diner. We should lay low. Hold on. Britney Spears Toxic just came on. Let's all stand on a table and start dancing. I almost stood up and applauded. Almost stood up and applauded. I was like, you know what? Great. <laughs> like, there was just, even at the very beginning of the movie, like, the, the, the audience 
our audience was was primed like they knew that they were getting into when her mom goes i'm searching for this spider because it's venom genetically enhances people and makes them special yeah and then ezekiel says you mean like the legendary spider people that live in this jungle and she goes that's crazy you're you're dumb and i'm like you literally just said this thing enhances people what do you think like i every single moment of this movie was just a huh all right then cool 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 like it was it was it was that's what I, like it is like listen if you're listening to this review and you're like should i go see madam webb like listen yes go go at your own peril <laughs> but if you're with the right audience yeah and maybe if you've had uh some drinks or a couple edibles like it's a wild ride it is a wild ride it it is yeah. one of the most ridiculous things i've ever sat through now now maybe you all can help because again I'll, I'll admit that i i dozed off for a few minutes um you know so she basically gets kind of a do-over like she sees like oh this is how this is going to happen i'm going to do something different right. why didn't she do that when she fell in the water and the firework hit her in the face like uh, yeah well, <laughs> that's a good point i mean that was i was like was there something where they talked about water that that that's, yeah. that's the one thing that, that can kind of take away or take away her her powers um, but also the end when we do like, there is this promise that we're going to see the girls kind of suit up and you get it kind of yeah. <laughs> like not, not, not for any, not for any use in the plot, just kind of like, Hey, let's have something cool to hang out in at the end. But when they show Dakota Johnson Bruh. with her glasses oh. in the chair oh, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, the embarrassment is is seeping off of you right now. And that final hero shot where she's kind of dangling there in those, in that giant visor in the red suit as a spy. It was just so silly. And yes, this is, this is the moment when my audience was just like, "Ah!" well, and so real quick, the, the thing that we, you know, we, and we talk about this a lot. Like we talk about this on the show. We all talk about this when we're just hanging out is like, you, you go like, what went wrong? Like, what could this have been? And like, I, I think that for the most part, this whole portion of the superhero genre, this Sony universe, the Sony spider universe with no Spider-Man is just a, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up to failure out of the get go. But like, if you're going to deal with these girls, I mean, basically they were doing a version of Terminator, a, a horrible version because mm. Ezekiel wasn't from the future. He was right. just having these. Oh, that was the other. Wait, my other favorite part is him saying to uh, Shosh, Tim, Tim saying, I've been having these visions about these three girls that are going to kill me and I want to kill them first. And she goes, well, we've we've taken your visions and come up with the best possible version that we can of what these girls might look like. Yeah. And then just comes up with like straight up their photos. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, well, that is, that is good. But the technology you got. There. So you've got this guy that's like, I want to kill all three of these girls because all three of them are going to kill me. So let's hunt all three of them down. And then you have to go to Johnson, finding them and basically being the, being the, I'm going to come with me if you want to live. And you've got like a Terminator setup, but like, if you had just had one of those girls had already gotten their powers. Yeah, yeah. Even if you had had one of them had gotten their powers and was trying to figure it out and she came in and met them and this guy was like 
I, I'm from the future or I know what they're going to become and I need to stop them for this specific reason, like, like any kind of reason, but it was just the most basic, I'm going to kill them and you didn't need three of them. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand the choice to put all three of them in there. If you're not, I, I, I'm just baffled by the choice. I think, see, now, and here's where I think I, I, how do I say this correctly? I don't want to give credibility to anti-woke people, but this is where I can see their logic of anger, right? They're like, let me get a black woman, a Latina woman, a white girl, we'll put them together. We'll do the Benetton thing and we're good to go. But this is where representation takes a fucking hit because you don't do the legwork to understand why these characters and give them some kind of background or cultural connection that you can kind of have a, um, a joy experiencing and connecting to these characters through. There's none of that here. It's frustrating. And then to me, I, like you said, Shannon, to me, Tahar Rahim, first of all, is a French actor. Second of all, he's from Algerian parents. There's nothing South American about this guy. And it is it's so frustrating that you can, you don't get away with not casting a South American person because you cast someone else from another country. Fuck you. Like, do the legwork. There are plenty of South American actors <clears throat> who can play characters with accents and whatever. You can find plenty of Latino actors who can imitate a South American accent. So it was just ridiculous on that end. Trying Him trying to do that accent was just so strange. But again, he has these powers that are pretty incredible when you watch him in the movie. But then they conveniently let him down in the subway with these four girls. Let me kill 30 police officers rather than I attack the girls and kill them real quickly. The, the logic, he keeps getting outwitted. And you tell me he can't hear a fucking ambulance coming to hit him twice for fuck's sake <laughs> and jump out of the way? One in midair through a brick fucking building? Like, it's just this kind of stuff that you're just like, why? Like, why are you this fucking stupid? Why do you think this is going to work? What the fuck is wrong with you people? So, yeah. Anything more? So, was I going too long? Sorry. No. I want to know what was your favorite line in the movie? Um, Ooh, it's tough. Cause I keep tw texting you guys. The one where she's like, I think it's Sydney Sweeney who said she's, or was it Isabella? It says he's like some kind of spider person. Uh, I can't say Spider-Man spider person. Oh man. Or the Ben situation. Like, hey, hey you get to be an uncle now. With none of the responsibilities. How cool is that? So the that line, that... so I, I got to get a little bit of context when they're at the baby shower. Oh God! <laughs> that baby shower. Johnson talks about that they're going through and being like, "Hey, you don't have one good memory about your mom," and then she basically says, "My mom died in childbirth <laughs> at the baby shower," and so. You know, and she try she you know kind of fun first trying to be like oh well no no it was more like this more like this and then they're like well let's move on to the next game and it was Emma Roberts like Cassie what's your guess it's like why would you ask her again <laughs> yeah, exactly. this is a t this person doesn't know how to operate in public yeah yeah I think for me it still is the uh, the spider person was up there but it's the yeah it's when that it's when that guy uh, down in Peru looks at her and goes if you if you have the response if, if you take the responsibility great power will come to you and i'm like like this is like like i thought when they had revealed like when we covered it a few weeks ago and they're like they've changed the line to this yeah 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 in my mind i'm like okay so maybe this is something that somebody says in front of ben or that ben overhears and like so like he's gonna be like like in the worst possible way like eh. 
that's some good advice. I should flip it and remember that one day, like anything, but like great power, great response. That whole thing is so Peter Parker, Uncle Ben, or in the Marvel universe, Peter Parker, Aunt May specific, that to sort of toss it in with these like spider people in the jungle. I was like, you guys are really just flopping around here trying to figure out what to do in a Spider-Man universe with no Spider-Man. Like, it is very apparent. So I was like, wow. Just wow. Like, wow is how I feel about this movie. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the South, South American, go, I, I, I told, I promised your mother that I would be here when you returned and with your, and to give you the answers. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, and, and why are they all going to the hospital? Why are they, if they're supposed to lay low, why are they all going oh, with her? I'll do you one better. I'll do you one better than that. Emma Roberts comes out and goes, my water just broke. I need a doctor. Yeah. And Adam Scott starts running around in a panic. Like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm sitting here. Everyone in my theater at the exact same time went, you're a paramedic. Exactly. You're the guy they call when someone's water breaks. You're the one who shows up and says, I know what to do here. Yeah. But he was like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And then they didn't show her name. Always. Oh, he's, he's hopping around in there. Do you get it? Do you get it? Oh my God. Like, it was just like, what are you people fucking doing on so many levels, man? So, um, <laughs> yeah. So is there any, like, what, what do we do with this? Shannon, you mentioned this. I mean, we're looking at the Spider-Verse here, Morbius, Madam Web, Venom 1 and 2, and there's a 3, and then Craven is coming out later this year. Like what? Oh, I mean, I get that they have to keep making these movies, I guess, to keep the rights to Spider-Man. But at some point is, when does it become a law of diminishing returns in this situation? Well, I mean, my guess, and, and you know, I can't say for sure. I mean, looking at what the Venom movies cost and, and those have been, you know, very successful. Um, looking yeah. at what Morbius costs, looking what Madam Web, it looks like the budgets are kind of going down. <laughs> at least, so maybe Four there's shows, yeah. there's less of a loss. I mean, I think Morbius actively did did lose money, but I mean, looking at it, like you could tell this this was not your standard Marvel movie. This probably wasn't a hundred million dollar movie. Um, and, and I don't know if they do have to keep making movies. I mean, if with their co production with Marvel. They're technically still making Spider-Man movies. So I think they, mm. there, there's, correct me if I'm wrong here, Bobo, but in their agreement, do they have it in perpetuity or is it they have to make a movie every every so often? I think that the original deal was you have to make a movie every so often or Marvel gets the rights. But I also think yeah. you're right that like right now, um, like, like you can say, like John, it's not that they're not allowed to have, like, they're making Spider-Man movies. They're Sony. They, they could be putting Spider-Man, but I think Kevin Feige is kind of like, whoa, slow your roll, and there's a whole relationship yeah. thing there. But between the Spider-Man movies that they are making with Marvel and the animated Spider-Verse movies, which I believe right. count as Spider-Man movies, I don't know that they do. I might be wrong. Like, maybe they do right. need to keep making these, but it, they don't need to be making them this badly. I, I, I just, <laughs> like, I just think that... You know, and look, I don't like the Venom movies, although compared to Madam Webb, like oh. it's fucking Killers of the Flower Moon over there. Oh, uh, but, um, you know, Venom in the comics at this point has become kind of an antihero. Like he has be like they've done a lot of stuff with him. So I would rather they just like be like, look, we're not going to do this whole thing and give you every villain without a Spider-Man to fight him. We're going to just focus on Venom. 
and make Venom. Like, great if that was a thing, but like they're sort of, the way they sort of are just like flopping around, like we're making our third Venom movie. We, okay, Morbius, you guys, it's Morbin time. You guys made fun of us, cool. But we're gonna do Craven over here and uh, that's gonna be a thing. And then Madam Web and like, who knows what's next? It's just like, there's literally no rhyme to the reason. So even even if they were like very creatively, um, if they creatively really believed that they could create this universe, like if they yeah. were like, we know that there is this universe because these characters are so rich, mm-hmm. like this doesn't seem like that. This just seems like, all right, what are we going to try now? Let's try and make some money. Like it just doesn't, there's no, there's nothing underneath these that goes, I want this to be a certain thing. Yeah. Let me, let me give you some context here. And this is an article that just came out a couple of days ago um, on GQ. So, um, this happened back. The reason this is all happening with Marvel and Sony over Spider-Man goes back to the 1980s when Marvel went out to Hollywood to license some of their superhero characters to different movie studios. The independent studio Canon Films, yes, Schwarzenegger and Stallone's, uh, uh, <laughs> their Canon Films, their uh, home at times, bought the rights to Spider-Man, then tried and failed to make a Spider-Man movie, then went bankrupt. In 1996, so did Marvel. So the rights to Spidey were lost in litigation until 1999 when Marvel recovered them and sold them to Sony. The success of Sony's Spider-Man films, along with Fox X-Men movies, helped pull Marvel out of a death spiral in the early aughts, the 2000s. But Sony's agreement with Marvel included a condition requiring the studio to commence production on a dedicated Spider-Man movie within a stipulated time frame that works out to once every five years and nine months. If Sony were to miss that target, the studio could lose a major piece of its IP portfolio. Uh, when 2014's Amazing Spider-Man 2 pulled in less money at the box office than any previous Spider-Man movie, and how quickly Sony partnered up with a then-ascendant Marvel to reboot the franchise with MCU-set Tom Holland Spider-Man films, the five years and nine months deal is part of the reason why. And the licensing deal between Sony and Marvel means Sony controls the film rights to roughly 900 characters from the Spider-Man universe. So uh, if they don't hit that target of five years and nine months every every five years and I'm having a movie, they would lose a large piece of the port. So right, there but, is a deal, but these movies are certainly not coming every five years and nine months. Well, but, but but also yeah. to that point, like the Spider-Man movies they're making with Marvel count for those. Yes. As well. Yes. Because right. they're so, so they're Sony movies. Yeah. And so they're I'm assuming, the yeah. and I'm assuming, and I don't know, I don't know whether this counts, but like, yeah. So like forget the, forget Tom Holland showing up in other Marvel movies, but like yeah, yeah. between the Spider-Man franchise they are doing with Marvel. Yeah. And the Spider-Verse movies. They're right, already yeah. hitting that quota. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're hitting that quota easily with movies that everyone loves. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the point is this idea that they are just churning these other movies out because they have to to keep something going, I don't believe is the case. Right, right. But the thing now, is they that do the- want they do want to go prove that they can make these on their own and like we're going to carve out Spider-Man is so successful for us that if we can crack this other thing, we can make it cool. And then eventually maybe we'll work it out with Marvel that they'll let us have a Spider-Man in there or however that whole specific thing works out uh, between them. But I just think, you know, at this point, you've got to be at Sony sitting in a room going, guys, we've tried this. <laughs> we've tried. I, I don't think this this gets fixed until they have a Spider-Man, a Garfield or Tobey Maguire. Until they have a Spider-Man in that universe, it's not going to be fixed. And I wonder if Marvel is like telling them, like, don't fuck around with this shit because we've got Tom Holland, but I don't know, because I just don't, there's no logic in this to keep going. Like after Craven and Venom 3, I really don't see the logic 
without bringing a Spider-Man in because it's it's really a law of diminishing returns now for the last few movies. So it's yeah, my opinion. Well, and 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 I do think with Morbius, like there's a way that could have worked. Like like it sure. just th- that particular movie just didn't that it just didn't work. I think yeah. there's a way that Craven is going to work. I hope so. Um, Madam Web is so so connected. <laughs> That it's like you, you, yeah. See, I saw that Craven trailer. I'm like, it might work. I yeah, mean, they we'll got see. you. They got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Any final words here? Anything we missed? Anything we is it anything? The score? Anything here that we uh, we missed on all of this? Her not telling Uncle Ben, hey, you're gonna get fucking shot in the street, so Peter can become Spider Man. Anything here that we want to finish up saying about the other film? Anything? I don't want to talk about this movie ever again. Go, <laughs> go at your own risk and let us know what happens. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't say you didn't see the future of your experience. I think we've made it very clear what your experience will probably be. Uh, all right, well, there you go. That's our supersized edition of uh, uh, the Geek Buddies episode this week. Thank you all so much for watching or listening to us. You can always listen to us on the podcast feed. Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Mikey? And while you were doing all that, you can also smash that like button, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, check out all the amazing content he's got there, leave your comments below. What do you think of the X-Men 97 trailer? Are you excited for Dune 2? What do you think of the other trailers? And also, Madam Web. Let us know in the comments below. Uh, If you're listening to us on a podcast, leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your social, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. Yes, and as Michael said earlier, please uh, watch the three of us talking about the uh, Deadpool and Wolverine trailer and uh, breaking down the fantastic forecasting on a previous episode of Geek Bites that dropped a couple of days ago. If you missed it, go and check that out on the channel this weekend. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand-new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.